Hello, sports fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Bally Sports. Miami mic'd up with me, Jeremy Taché, and a number of guests this week, but we'll get to them in just a moment. The Florida Panthers season has come to an end after they were swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning in the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs in the NHL. Unfortunately, that's how the season ends for Florida, but that doesn't take away from the type of year that this was a historic season in this franchise's history. Their first President's Trophy advancing past the first round for the first time since 1996 and everything that came with this season. And so I wanted to take the chance to chat with a few of the folks who have covered this team all year long for you guys on Bally Sports. So I have Steve Goldstein, Randy Moeller, and Jessica Blaylock waiting to have this conversation with me about everything that went wrong for the Panthers in the postseason, but also some of the best moments from throughout the year. So if you're a Panthers fan, you're really going to enjoy this episode. And even if you're tuning in looking for Heater Marlins coverage, hey, Enjoy what this Panther season was along with us. There's a lot of joy in this episode, and I would recommend that you stick around. For Heat fans looking for Heat coverage, right now it's 3-2 in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Heat are trailing those Boston Celtics headed into Boston tonight. We've seen that exact scenario exactly a decade ago, and we know how that Game 6 in Boston went with LeBron James scoring 45 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists. An unbelievable performance then that that really resurrected, obviously, that season, the blueprint of the Big 3. Well, now, a decade later, we're in a similar situation with the Heat headed into Boston. Huge game for this franchise, and no matter what the results are, whether they you know, drop this game tonight, whether they win this game tonight and force game seven, or if they come all the way back and head toward the NBA finals next week on Miami Mic'd Up, we will have you covered on wherever the Miami Heat are. Hopefully that's talking about the NBA finals. I still believe I know you do too, if you're listening to this one. So you can also watch the Heat Live post game show tonight and after game seven on Bally Sports. So tune into Bally Sports Sun for coverage there, or remember to watch it on the Bally Sports app. And now We could get to this episode here. Thank you again to Jessica Blaylock, Randy Moeller, and Steve Goldstein for joining me. And enjoy this episode of Miami Mic'd Up. Okay, and now the dream team of Panthers coverage here on Miami Mic'd Up. A couple of faces on Miami Mic'd Up who you'll recognize in Jessica Blaylock and Steve Goldstein. And then obviously... Randy Muller, everybody's favorite from our broadcasts, has joined us on Miami Mic'd Up for the first time. Uh, Very excited to have all three of you. Very thankful that you guys are joining me. I'm sorry that it's so early in the NHL postseason at this point. I think we all thought we'd be talking in a couple of weeks or or at least hoped we'd be talking in a few weeks. Um, but now is the time to to discuss this Florida Panthers season, what went right, what went wrong uh, come the NHL postseason. And I think that's actually where I'd like to start um, and, and primarily here, Randy, I'll, I'll toss it to you first. Um, this team was, was high-flying, a, a goal-scoring machine during the regular season. Um, and then the season ends with three combined goals in the second round and, and sort of fittingly on their only shutout of the season. And according to regular season win percentage, there were only four better teams ever to have been swept in the NHL postseason. Um, so, Randy, what went wrong for the Florida Panthers in the NHL postseason? Well, obviously the offense dried up for the Florida Panthers after a record-breaking historical offensive season for the Florida Panthers that we witnessed and and the comebacks and the way that they won games and so many players with 
uh, career years offensively. We've never witnessed that down here. And, but the playoffs are a different animal. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, again, the Panthers for the second straight year went up against a veteran, experienced, successful back-to-back Stanley Cup champion in the Tampa Bay Lightning. There's a number of, of it, number of I think, details that led to this sweep. Sure. Number one is the way that the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to adjust their game. They're a high-flying offensive team, but they, they really dedicated themselves – to frustrate the Florida Panthers in getting in the passing and the shooting lanes. We've never seen historically this many shot attempted shots by the Florida Panthers either being blocked or missed the net. Right. A lot of the missed the nets are because they were trying, they're, they're frustrated because a lot of them were getting blocked. Um, the, the Lightning are a very intelligent team. They've got a veteran team and they had a game plan that they executed perfectly against the Florida Panthers, whether it was five on five. And on the power play, if the Panthers were on the power play, the Panthers' uh, inability to make those adjustments, to switch up to a more grinding uh, play, we saw bits of it in the series, but really not consistently play a, a playoff grinded out type of season. It's a big learning experience. Again, unfortunately, for the Florida Panthers, it's painful. There is a lot of expectations. The Panthers in the regular season were able to score their way out of a few issues defensively, unable to do that in the playoffs. You add all those things up, and uh, that's the reason why the Panthers are outside looking in. Yeah, I mean, when we see, you know, what this team was during the regular season, there was obviously a change in, in pace, and that was sort of forced upon them by by both the Capitals and the Lightning. They were just able to overcome it against Washington. Um, I'd actually like to look back at that series for a second, and um, Jess, I'll, I'll go to you on this one. When we look at what the Panthers did in this playoff series against Washington in winning their first playoff series since 1996, I know it's hard right now to sort of appreciate it as the season ends, but I did want to focus on what that felt like and and what sort of stood out from that series against the Capitals as the Panthers did have you know their moment of advancing past the first round. Yeah, what stood out to me are uh, the years off of my life that I'm never going to get back, (laughs) uh, especially because of how that game six unfolded uh, with uh, the Caps going on the power play, obviously, with what was it, 69 seconds left in the game um, and and scoring and and tying it up. But I think really, you know, the biggest thing that a lot of people are going to remember are, you know, is the way that Carter Verhage really stepped up and and kind of. Uh, came up with these incredible goals, incredible moments. Um, you know, Sam Reinhardt, uh, when the Panthers pulled the goalie to, and, and Reinhardt scores a goal. I, I, I think really what I'm going to remember from that is just kind of the way the Panthers won a couple of those games and, and, and how much it reminded me of the team that we did see in the regular season as yeah. far as the comebacks, right? And, and um, you know, some of those, some of those huge goals uh, that ended up being difference makers. Um, and I think another thing that's going to stand out is, is Sergei Bobrovsky, especially with the microscope that I think people had on him going into the playoffs. Can the goaltending be good enough? Um, and Sergei Bobrovsky was phenomenal. Uh, I thought not only against the Capitals, but against the Lightning as well. None of those games were on, were on Bob against Tampa. So uh, I think the excitement of it, um, the sense of relief that came after they were able to get yeah. uh, the game winning goal in, in overtime in game six and, and move on. Um, 
and just a, a couple of individual performances that really stood out um, against Washington. I've, I've talked to a couple of uh, Panthers fans who had flown up to Washington to be there for that game six, who have described it as, as one of the, the best feeling sporting events that they've witnessed, just given the circumstances of what it was. It was a, it was a really special moment. It's hard. I know it's hard to focus on it right now, given how the season ended, but I, I'm glad we did. And you actually just sort of predicted the future. My next question was about Sergei Bobrovsky and, and the bright spot that he was this, this postseason. Um, Goldie, you know, no, he wasn't Andre Vasilevsky, but Sergei Bobrovsky was really good this postseason. And I think obviously all the national questions were about goaltending and defense and not necessarily the offense of this Florida Panthers team. So what stood out to you, Goldie, about his performance? And is it encouraging for you moving forward? It is definitely encouraging. What stood out to me, and we talked about this this year, is here's a guy at whatever, 32 years old, has had all the success he's had in the league. And he went back in last summer and looked at himself in the mirror and said, what do I need to change? And he changed some things positionally. He changed a lot mentally the way he approached it. Um, I think having the baby helped because he couldn't take the games home with him all the time. He was on baby duty. He's told me that, um, which was good for him because he's always the first guy on the ice, the last guy to leave. He He works so hard. And when you're like that and you're obsessed like that and you don't have success, you know, you can get in your own head a lot. Absolutely. So I give him a lot of credit at that point for what he's accomplished. Obviously, he's financially secure with the contract. To go back and look at all that and uh, redo all that um, is, is, is really something. A lot of athletes, a lot of people aren't willing to do that. And obviously, in the playoffs, I thought for that 10-game stretch, probably the best 10 games when you look at the competition, what was at stake that he's probably played as a Panther. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny you bring up him having a child. And I know uh, in talking with, and this is on another team, but in talking with Tyler Hero before the season, it was something that he mentioned as like, that was the thing that immediately matured me and forced me also like not to bring games home with me when I was struggling. You can't get in your head the same way because now, hey, you know, you're a parent and and that's that's a, that's a little more important than bringing home work with you. I think we can all agree there. Um, it, when we talk about, Alexander Barkov and Jonathan Huberdeau. Obviously, the two of them were tremendous during the regular season. Two of the best individual seasons in franchise history. But we did see a bit of a dip in form in the postseason. Um, I'd rather spend time on the positives and just how elite these guys were during the regular season. But I, if we want to start maybe with, with an explanation of how those playoffs slowed those two guys down. Maybe, Randy, if you want to take this one. Um and just the way that those two players weren't quite able to get into their groove this postseason. Well, I'll, I'll start by saying that if if Jonathan Huberto and Alexander Barkov, who are known as stars around the league, if they're going to take their reputation and their legacy, I guess their legacy to the new level that we're seeing in the playoffs by uh, McKinnon and Leon Dreisaitl, and, and it's the stars that we're seeing now that are still in the playoffs, mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have to find a way to do that in postseason. And it's a learning experience. Uh, some players, it takes long. Uh, you look at Nathan McKinnon. So many years now, he hasn't been able, besides his heroic efforts, taking the Colorado Avalanche to the third round. They've been stuck in the second round. You go in their last game where he had a hat trick and basically tried to will their way to win that final clinching game against St. Louis and still came up short. So 
the when, when you analyze Barkov and Huberto, and I'll include a, a couple other of the other yeah, offensive please. players, um, it's it's about adjustments and a, a, about uh, taking what's given to you. The the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, their game plan was to take away the so-called cliche time and space against the Panthers' offensive players. They were very successful. They frustrated the, the Panthers. That's where you have to adjust your style of play. And maybe that means not carrying the puck as, as much. Maybe mm-hmm. it's going back to a simpler game of, 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 of chip and chase, dump and chase, uh, and that. But what I look at, and it's a little critical, but it's a fact that the Panthers' uh, power play, which Huberto and Barkov play such a huge part in, unable to adjust to what was being given to them which was a very solid and uh, not much movement penalty kill of the Tampa Bay Lightning. They allowed the Panthers to handle the puck around the outside, but they just, they, they teased them and challenged them to pass through that box that they had set up in front of their zone, in front of their net. And the Panthers time and time again, stubbornly kept trying to force the same place. They were too predictable. So in adding it all up, you take the power play, take the five on five, Barkov, Huberdeau, amongst others, the star players that lead the engine offensively for the Panthers have to make adjustments mentally to what they're given. A lot of times it's not about them. It's about right. what's present and what's being given to them and make the adjustments to uh, maybe maybe simplify it and more work ethic and more battles in order to achieve the offensive goals that they're that they're looking for. That's the thing that we see in in postseasons across sports, right? Is it, it's not often about the skill of your roster. It's about what is the other team game planning to do to kind of slow you down. And now there is this semblance of of a blueprint as to what happens when the Panthers make the postseason and and what you can do to slow them down. I mean, we saw it well, sort of. And, and and just to add to that, I mean, the proof is in the pudding of, of the fi- the the series against Tampa Bay. When you got Corey Perry and Pat Maroon, fourth line players, outscore the Panthers, Huberto, Barkoff, Bennett, Reinhardt, Neckblad, four to nothing. Um, that 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 also tells a, a a story as well that the Tampa Bay Lightning, even though Stamkos and Kucherov and Hedman were did their part and played unbelievable, they the secondary scoring really helped them in trying to uh, get the goals and and get the big goals as well. And that was a void that the Panthers just couldn't get over in the first four games. Yeah, we heard Coach Brunette in his post-game press conference after the final game sort of talking about how Tampa spreads the wealth a bit. And and when it comes to also, you know, their stars getting in the way and blocking shots and, and doing all of the little things. So like you said, maybe some more of those um, almost mental adjustments more so than the physical for the Florida Panthers moving forward. Um, I would like to sit in the positive for just a moment here. Uh, I'll, I'll be transparent. A hockey team has never made me feel this way personally, right? I've never felt this invested in a group, um, having that much fun watching this team. And it was a miraculous season. Nothing can be taken away from that. So um, I'll give each of you guys a moment here, maybe, if, if you want to sort of sit and think about it for a second. But about maybe one moment that stands out from the regular season that you'll remember this team by. Jess, if you want, we can start with you. But if you guys want to take a second, try to think about it, um, you know, I'll give you the space to do so. I think for me, the comeback against the Maple Leafs 
is one of those games that I'm going to look back on and just remember how I felt in that game um, and how I felt after that win. And especially, you know, being against the Leafs, I, I know the Lightning have really been the Panthers' biggest rival over the past couple of seasons, especially because we didn't see Toronto during that COVID-shortened season. But I feel like it always feels so satisfying to beat the Leafs as well. Yes. <laughs> and so that game where, you know, the Panthers had their backs against the wall down, uh, what was it, three goals in the second period? I think at one point it was a, was it a 5-1 game at one point? Something like that. Something crazy. Um, and they come back and win at 6-5 in overtime and, and just the atmosphere at the arena. And, and, you know, that was a game later in the season that kind of just like personified all of these amazing qualities that the team had had all year long. And, and yeah, overall, you know, I'm going to look back on this year kind of same Jeremy as, as this team made me feel so much excitement that I haven't felt with the team in, in a while. Right. You know, and, or at least that type of excitement, that level of excitement. And I'm going to look back on this year as being the most fun year I've ever covered professionally in my career. So, um, but if I, I, if I kind of pinpoint one moment, I, I think for one game, I would have to say that come back against the Leafs. I love that. That's awesome. That's I, I love to hear that that this has been that type of season for you. Uh, Goldie, is there, is there any game or moment that stands out for you? Well, yeah, there were a lot in the regular season, but, you know, the game five against Washington was, I mean, you couldn't match it. You know, it was right. uh, it was one of the biggest crowds we've ever seen. Um, you know, the series was probably right there. If they lose that game, I'm not sure they win games six and seven to win the series. Right. Um, and it was teetering and you could just feel it as they started coming back and Hagee having five points and Barkov setting him up for the game winning goal. I've never heard the building that loud when Verhage scored to make it four to three. And then when Giroux, you know, salted it away and he's over on the bench, Hornquist is, you know, pounding his head. And then <laughs> it, it was just amazing. And, and you knew at that point, hey, they got over that hump and they were going to win the series. I mean, whether it was game six or game seven, you had the confidence and that game went the other way. So that would be the moment for me. There were a lot in the regular season. I mean, look, they went 34 and seven at home. It was outrageous. Um, the game winner in overtime to get the record setting franchise, you know, winning streak, 13 yeah. in a row. That was incredible when Montour scored. Um, and then the nine goal outburst against Tampa was pretty cool, even though they had some guys missing with COVID, but the crowd champing, we won 10. Yep. Uh, those are, you know, a few, but there are so many really, you know, when you win 58 games that, uh, that do stick out, but that game five was probably the most electric, um, the most electric game that's ever been played in that, in, in that building. Yeah. It's spectacular. And Randy, I know we've covered a few of them here now, but, uh, anything left that stands out to you? Well, uh, and I don't even know what the game was. I don't even know what the score was. Ooh. Okay. Game number eight of the season. Remember game number seven, the Panthers won seven straight, and then everybody was hit with this avalanche of the Joel Quenville. Uh, we all know the investigation, and he had to resign. And Andrew Burnett came in and on very short notice had to take over this hockey team as an interim head coach. Yep, Panthers had won seven in a row. They win the eighth game. And it really proved to me 
that, you know what, we've got a special group here and there is leadership in this and they all in this locker room and the coaching staff. And it wasn't only the eighth game, but it was the ninth game as well. That to me proved that that we've got that this is a this is a good team. This is a special team that has a chance to do something special, which they did in the regular season. Absolutely. That's that's a moment that I think some of us sort of gloss by, um, given how incredible this team was all year long. But that easily could have been a breaking point for a team that when yeah. you spoke to all of these guys before the season, obviously relied on on Coach Q and he implemented so much of, of what this team did in terms of its structure. And so, you know, to have them continue to fight and bounce back and that first game after under Coach Brunette really was a, a special moment. So you're you're right there. Um, was that Detroit? Was that the uh, the Barkov overtime winner in Detroit against the Red Wings? I think that was Bruno's first game. Let's right? find out. Let's find out. Come on, Goldstein. You're the one that you're the expert. Yeah, I should know it. <laughs> yes, it, it was. I'm going to say that it we was didn't, Barkov. And we didn't broadcast. That's correct. We didn't. That was the game, and we did not do the game. It was we a, did not yes, do the game. game. It was. It was. That, yeah, that's why we Yeah, that's why we don't talk about it. That's, yeah. that's it. <laughs> um, well, all right. So questions moving forward, I guess, is what needs to – what needs to change for this team's either roster or style of play that can make them avoid this fate next season? Or is this just sort of like, you know, those teams in the Eastern Conference in the NBA in the 90s who just kept running up against the Chicago Bulls and the Heat just keep running up against the Tampa Bay Lightning? Is it that simple? Anybody can sort of jump in here. I know that's kind of a loaded question. Well, I think that is some of it. They're, they're that good. I do think that's part of it. And you go back where you talk about, you know, when you have Pat Riley on your uh, on your show here, you should ask him because he had those great Nick teams and, and they just ran into Michael Jordan every year. And then right. when Michael left, they ran into Hakeem Olajuwon and, and the Rockets and then they just never won a title. So mm. some of it does have to do with the competition, but um, it's pretty clear to me that this year, the two series, 10 games, decent sample size, that's like 12% of the regular season. Um, they've got to be more willing to, to pay the price and do the things you need to do in the playoffs. Now, some of the personnel may need to be altered. I, I, I would say that. Um, and I think they missed Mason Marchment a lot more than anybody thought because of the way he plays and he does those things. And that kind of tells you what you need to know. Like you need a few more guys perhaps that are like that. But for the most part, Jeremy, you need the guys that you currently have to be willing to do those things. It is Correct. not fun. You know, in the first round, Evgeny Kuznetsov was talking to the capital. He said, yeah, I'm going to have to wait for the beer league in the summer to have fun playing hockey again, because huh. this is not fun, but it is how we have to play in order to try to slow these guys down. Um, I'm sure Steven Stamkos didn't have a great time blocking shots and limping off the ice three, four times in that series. But again, that's what they had to do to slow this team down. So I think both of those things are, are key factors. Um, and I think Bill Zito now two, two years into this, this job and the staff two years into this job, I think they now have a really good sense of what they do have and what they may need more of. And to tack on to that, it's funny that you mentioned that Goldie, because one of the things that I was going to say is they got to develop a killer instinct. Look at what Connor McDavid has done for Edmonton in the playoffs you mentioned a Nathan McKinnon, right? You got to have that willingness to take over a game and, and the killer instinct, put it away, 
right? And just like Randy was saying, being able to make the adjustments. Well, I think part of being able to make the adjustments is that willingness to take over a game. And I, I think with some of our guys, really one of the only, I don't even know if you want to call it a knock. Sometimes the only thing though, is I think you see almost a unselfishness trumping, having that killer instinct, you know, Mm. passing up, taking the shot to try and get it to your teammate, Uh, you know, looking for maybe the cross ice pass instead of just driving to the net, whatever it might be. But I, I think at some point you have to just develop that killer instinct mentality to be willing to take over a game and, and truly, truly put it away, no matter what the opponent is giving you. Well, one thing, one thing that's, that's, that's obvious and hopefully everybody realizes this Florida Panther team, the way they are right now, will not be the same when they hit the ice in October. No. We're living in a salary cap era. Yeah. There has got to be, there's got to be a lot of decisions made on players on this roster right now going forward with as far as free agency, uh, upcoming free agency, uh, salary cap issues with raises, with uh, new contracts. Uh, there's going to be a lot of changes. And, and I think, Jeremy, the, the, the fans are going to, there's going to be some of them that really won't understand or be a little bit upset and go, Oh my God, they, they went 34 and seven last year on home ice. And there's six players that are not there anymore. This is all, this happens on every team. Correct. You cannot bring back everybody. And it's going to be a very interesting off season for Bill Zito and hockey operations on who is going to, be behind the bench and who is going to be on the opening day roster. The good news for Panthers and their fans is the core of this hockey club is very, very good. You don't win the president's trophy and have a home record by doing it with smoke and mirrors and puppets. It, it, they, they have the talent, but there's got to be some tinkering. And like as Goldie and Jess have said, and that there's got to be maybe a little bit more grit a little bit more willingness to win these strong games, especially in the playoffs. The Panthers have had two huge helpings of what it takes to win in the playoffs. And I, hopefully they're, they're going to learn from that, but the core of this team will stay together with Bobrovsky, Barkov, you know, the Huberdo, the Ekblads that they're all there. And that, so that's the good news going forward. There's nothing better in sports than having a great core locked up for a while. Right. Like there's there's no better feeling than that in knowing, hey, the 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 core unit of this team is great and we just need to figure out what happens around them and their adjustments and mindset as well. You know, Jess, when you brought up specifically Killer Instinct, it it made me think of two individual South Florida sports sort of moments and players. One is thinking of LeBron James and the Heat in those first finals that they played. And hey, he was sort of just always making the right basketball play, quote unquote. Right. Well, Almost right. Past first mentality for LeBron. Exactly. Right? Yeah. LeBron was unselfish. If LeBron him, James like, could do that, in the just yeah. The right. And that's sort of how it feels with Huberto and and Barkov of like, hey, yeah. you guys know who you are, right? Go ahead and and take over these games, take over these moments. And the other one is is I know this season in particular, but we've talked about it for a couple of years. Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez, these nice guys who just needed to develop that 
hey, no, I'm great. I'm dominant. I can be confident and take over these moments. And obviously, those are regular season. Those are pitchers in baseball. It's completely different than hockey. But it's all about sort of the mental side of it, the mentality going into these games um, with, with any athletes. That's so much of, of the hurdle. And it's the difference between you know, being great and being elite and, and going forward and, and winning like that. So we'll end on a, on a super positive note here. Normally, my, my question to start these podcasts is what is something that recently brought you joy outside of work? I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to let each of you tell me something you're now looking forward to going into this off season that you guys will do outside of work. Um, Jess, I know you're still sort of working here, but but something you will do outside of work that will bring you joy. Jess, maybe we can start with you there. Yeah, I actually have a couple of weeks off before I um, start up uh, going to the ballpark every day. Lucky you. So I am, uh, my niece is turning two uh, on June 5th. So I'm at the chance to go home for her second birthday, which is very, very exciting. And uh, one thing that always brings me joy um, besides family is traveling. And Mm. I just recently booked a trip to Paris for the end of baseball season, hopefully before the start of hockey season to try and get fun. Yeah. So those are, those are two things that are bringing me joy thinking about seeing my sweet baby niece. Jess, if you miss opening, opening night for the Panthers (laughs) regular season, don't bother coming back. (laughs) I I say, I say that with love and jealousy. I, uh, I'm so happy. Yes. But they be going on that trip. I said it to her off the air too. She knows yeah. that. She knows that. That you better not miss that opening night, Jessica, or else don't bother coming for the rest of the season. I know. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, baseball normally would end. You know that that last Sunday of September or that first Sunday of October, and you usually have a little bit of breathing room. But because of the delayed start to baseball, yeah. baseball goes to like October fifth i think or sixth so i couldn't even plan a trip until the seventh at the earliest mm. i'm gone through the 11th and i'm like uh-oh <laughs> i thought that one through completely so we might hey speaking of it's a game of adjustments right we might have to make a little bit of an adjustment game time back. decision huh game yeah, time decision exactly. yeah we'll, we'll exactly. just list you as questionable for for game one <laughs> we'll start we'll go ahead with the injury report now <laughs> Uh, R- Randy, what about you? What What is something you're looking forward to this offseason? Well, number one, what I'm looking forward to, uh, Jeremy, I think uh, we all three are very proud. We had a phenomenal year as far as covering this team. Thousands uh, Our group, our broadcast group on uh, Bally Sports, everybody involved and behind the cameras, in front of the cameras, and the joy of working with Goldie and Jessica and everybody involved, and and that with Chick and Jovo and Craig and Katie and and our, and our exceptional crew. That's what I'm really looking forward to. Again, we were it, it was the feedback from the fans and the way we covered and the positives, and of course the team held up their bargain as well with such exciting games and and the season. That's what I'm looking forward to personally. Uh, family, we we always get back together in Western Canada where we're from. They don't call me Red Deer Randy Moeller for nothing. <laughs> we'll go back there. Hopefully, they've changed the the light and the and the one stop light in my home. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, it's working. But we'll all get back together with my kids, uh, and uh, we'll celebrate uh, by the lake uh, outside my hometown for a week. And we're all getting together because the kids are growing. Everybody knows Goldie knows his boys are going in each different directions. To get together once for at least a week with extended in extended family, it's going to be a, a big family reunion. I'm really looking forward to that. 
That sounds lovely. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad you're getting to do that. Actually doing the same thing, hopefully, when the heat season ends hopefully a little a little further from now hopefully not on on friday uh pushing that down the line um trying to do the same thing with some family as well so always appreciate those family moments and goldie what about you what are you looking forward to this off season a little bit of family time now coming up the next few weeks uh one son graduating high school so that'll be nice congratulations college yeah so that'll be cool and then I'm looking forward to talking to you like in a month about whether or not Tua's arm strength is good enough. Uh, yeah, I You know, can't I don't wait. have anything that exciting going on, man. I'm looking forward to getting out there and watching more sports. And I'll be out at uh, Dolphins mini camps and stuff and talking to you. So Right. All right. So we'll be doing that. Yeah, you're totally yeah. right. That, that will be probably in the next couple of months. We'll be having another conversation. <laughs> well, let me just say, as um, this was my first full season being a part of the coverage that you guys, you know, do in a totally extended way, just sending out your clips and your words and all of the stuff that you guys have done. But it was really, truly an honor. You guys absolutely crushed it this year um, with this team that was special to watch. And um, all of your broadcasts made it more enjoyable for me. And I know for the rest of, of Panthers fans um, and everyone who tuned in, I want to thank you guys for, for what you did this year. It was an absolute blast. I'm sorry that it's over. Uh, but we can't wait to see you all on our televisions again. Um, and on behalf of Steve Goldstein, Randy Moeller, Jessica Blaylock, I'm Jeremy Taché. This was Miami Mic'd Up. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Mic'd Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places.